0: Hello, it's Sunday, and this is officially episode 10 for Reels this time. I don't even know where my blonde head was at when recording last week's episode 9, so let's go ahead and celebrate episode 10 because we are finally here for it, okay? I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, here we are, and I'm just so thankful for all your sweet strangers in my life. I never imagined that this podcast would be as fun as I'm having, or as growing like crazy as it has been. I cannot thank you all so much for getting me to episode 10, officially. Not, Not 11, 10, okay? Um this is Twisted Wicked Crime with me, Christina. Um, hi, if you're new and just joining me, we do true crime here and um, I hope you enjoy it um, and if you are one of my regulars, thank you for coming back. okay? So we're just gonna get right into it today. Um, I have a very sad case today. Um, I'm gonna give a huge warning on this case because it does involve a child getting murdered. And I don't really like doing cases like these, but they have to be said. And it happens, and happens today, and it needs to stop. So in my eyes, children are precious, and I think everybody could agree on that. And ones like Maddie, who their story needs to be told. We need to get this out here. Uh, This is kind of a well-known case, I think, Uh, for those new in the true crime world, or listening to this, maybe your first time hearing it. Um, it's not a huge case, but it's not small. And I was actually pretty little when this case happened. I was in eighth grade and I didn't really pay much attention to things around me news wise. I was just kind of in my own little bubble. So I don't remember this case happening, but maybe my parents do. Um, i, I Believe it made national news. The parents did go on Good Morning America, and that is national. So I don't know if it went further than that. Um, That's why I'm saying it's kind of a well-known case. In most cases, Um, now if you've heard this case before, when I said the name Maddie, you know who I'm talking about. And if you haven't, Maddie Ray Clifton was born on June seventeenth, nineteen ninety, and she was just eight years old when the most gut-wrenching thing happens. This just breaks my heart into pieces. She had the sweetest face. She was so cute and she had the best family. Now, Maddie was known as kind of a tomboy. She was a tough girl, but also known to be a ballerina. She had, you know, it all. She was just a cool little girl who loved sports. And on November 3rd, 1998, she got home from school to her Fleetwood home, oh wait, sorry, Fleetwood Road Home in Jacksonville, Florida. She did her piano practice and took about 20 minutes and she finished around five o'clock. It was still light out and she went to go hit some golf balls with a guy named Larry Grisham who lived down the street. So they uh, actually lived, the Cliftons actually lived in a cul-de-sac. So the neighbors all knew each other, number one. And they all just kind of, that's what you did in the 90s. You just went out and you played till dark or till dinner time. And you just, you lived your life. And you just played with anybody in the neighborhood. So (laughs) after a little bit, she did head back home from her golf balls. And she told her mom that she needed to get more because she lost them all. Now, this was the very last time her mother saw Maddie alive. So around 6 p.m., when she showed back up at home, she left with more golf balls. And then at 620, so 20 minutes later from when she went to get the golf balls, her mother, Sheila, called for Maddie and her older sister, Jessica, who was 11 to come back home for dinner. I'm telling you guys, this was the good old days. I would do this and I'd play in my neighborhood before dinner. It was just like the good life back then. And you felt safe. you know. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't let my kid do that now, but Anyway, it was saying, so I'm going to say this case gets super gnarly and I can't sugarcoat it. I have to give you the details. Towards the end, I won't give you the medical examiner's detailed case because I feel like what I'm giving you in the story is horrific enough and I just don't want to do that to you too, but I will give them little nitty gritties. Now, Jessica came in first when being called and alone. Maddie wasn't with her. She actually told her mom that she hadn't seen Maddie in a while and didn't even know that she was still playing outside. That feeling that must have come over her, the mom, Sheila, the sickness, like, just like, what? I just saw her, like, almost 30 minutes ago. She came back for golf balls to go hit with Larry. This hits me thinking about what she must have been feeling at that moment, like, I just saw her like I I I feel it in my bones just knowing this story like that feeling that I would feel like where is she like where could she be you know they live in the cul-de-sac so Sheila instantly starts going to all the neighbors houses and like I said she knows all them so she's asking have you seen Maddie no one has seen Maddie the panic is really setting in and Real one really has seen Maddie. So Sheila is just screaming her name from her front lawn, desperate to get Maddie home. This would be me. I would scream and scream with just tears flowing. And I imagine that is what Sheila was feeling. And I imagine the panic that she was feeling. Now my daughter is three and a half and hardly leaves my side. So when she doesn't answer me, even in the house, I freak out like, oh my God, where the fuck is she? What is she doing? Why is she being so quiet? Any parent can relate to that. Speaking to which, um, she is out in the other room watching her shows and playing. My husband is at work. I told her to leave me alone. So let's hope that she does that. So if we hear the door open, I might have to pause for a minute. So it didn't take long for the entire neighborhood to start looking for Maddie. And I'm just like, wow, and amazed at this neighborhood. Like, this little neighborhood just all came forward. And it's like, we're going to search for Maddie. They were looking everywhere. Now, Maddie's father, Steve, said it was like she closed the door and poof, she was gone. Ugh, my heart. So, at 6.33 p.m., Sheila called 911. This was not normal. And she had enough, like... She was like, I can't. So she called 911. That night, everyone in the neighborhood and surrounding neighborhoods, adults and children were just searching everywhere they can. Everyone is not giving up and she has to be somewhere. Jessica, her older sister, was even riding her bike, screaming her name through the neighborhoods. And this search even went through into the night with flashlights and they couldn't find her anywhere. Amongst the kids that were helping look for her was a neighbor who lived a couple houses over from the Clifton's across the street. 14-year-old, he actually often played, or I'm sorry, 14-year-old Josh. He actually often played with Maddie, and this was Joshua Phillips, and he was, like I said, 14. Now, Maddie liked him a lot. She loved playing with him. Morning arrives, and still no Maddie. So, a sheriff detective from Jacksonville Sheriff's Office decided that he was going to go door to door in hopes to find something out. So he is knocking on everybody's door. Like maybe if I come through, maybe somebody saw something, heard something, anything to find Maddie. No one had any information and everyone said they didn't see her. Now the police really focused on Larry Grisham who lived down the um, at the end of the street on the cul-de-sac, the one who Maddie wants to play golf balls with because he was the last known person to see her um, after she left her house the second time. Now, Larry was 45 years old. What, what are you doing playing with an eight-year-old, right? Suspicious. Well, Larry liked to play with the children. It's not what you think, okay? <laughs> but He did have a criminal history and he actually was arrested 29 times and that was on his record. Now his thefts were most, or I'm sorry, these were mostly thefts or like auto thefts and he did have two incidents of sexual battery five years apart. The charges were dropped and there's no record to know the age of these people and we're not assuming that it was a child because Everybody said Larry was a nice guy and obviously parents trusted their kids to go play with him. Now, when I was reading reports, I got kind of mixed information on it. Um, some reports said that kids just played with Larry. Parents liked it and said he was a nice guy and trusted him and others trusted Larry, but he was also a 45 year old man. So some reports said, no, we didn't just let our kids play with Larry alone. Um, so, I think it's just kind of like take it as you will. Um in any case, he definitely was the last one to see Maddie, so police were really really focused on him. So, they called Larry to in for questioning and Larry told them that on that night around 5:15, he was hitting golf balls with Maddie and then she left to go get more golf balls and she never came back. He said he figured her parents wanted her to stay in because it was getting late. I mean, it was, it was like around dinner time. So he didn't even think anything of it. Like she, she didn't come back and he wasn't worried about it. Now, he was brought in later for more questions. And then poor Larry's home was searched nine times. Can you imagine her parents thinking, could my child be with a man who lives five doors down? Well, Larry didn't do it, you guys, and I i just feel kind of bad for Larry because they literally searched his house nine times. Like, they were really focused on him, and he, he didn't do it. He's telling the truth. <laughs> so volunteers are still continuing to look. Now, cadaver dogs were sent from house to house to smell for Maddie, and they were looking in swamps. They were looking everywhere. The U.S. Army Reserve was even called, and they went out and searched through manholes. Missing poster signs were hung everywhere, and there is just every effort, you know, like, being made. Like, she's an 8-year-old girl. Like, she lived in a cul-de-sac. She just doesn't disappear. Somebody has to have some information. Now, her parents went on TV and begged for whoever took her to come forward and offered a $50,000 reward. Wow, that's a lot of money. Now, excuse me, I gotta tickle my throat. Now her mom was sobbing on this, excuse me. Now her mom was sobbing on the TV and directed Maddie. She said, Maddie, if you are out there, please come home. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm tearing up. Like, I think that's why I got choked. And just imagining this happening as a mom. Like, this is sad. Okay, Maddie's face was everywhere. And she was on about 10 billboards and t-shirts. Like, this was big in this town of Jacksonville. And everybody was doing everything to search for Maddie. Now, this was only a week into the search. And on day seven... Of Maddie missing, the Cliftons went on Good Morning America. And that is something that I mentioned in the beginning. That's why I think it kind of went national. I think that was the most national it got. But anyway, they went on Good Morning America and they were telling their story and their pleas and just anything. If anybody has any information anywhere to get them Maddie. Now, as they finished this production or whatever they call it in TV, when they were finished filming, I guess, I don't know what the correct term is, but you you get what I am saying. Um, Maddie was found. Okay, here comes a big warning. Okay, this is just awful, and my stomach is in knots with what I'm about to tell you. Now, if you know this case, you already know what's coming, and ugh, I don't even want to. Again, I hate doing cases like this but it needs to be said. So Maddie was found at the Phillips house. Melissa, Missy Phillips, Josh's mom. She goes by Missy, so we're going to call her Missy. Now, remember, Josh was one of the kids helping uh, search for Maddie, okay? So Josh's mom was getting ready for work as Josh went off to school. Now, Missy had a couple hours before work, I think, And it was just a little after 7 a.m. Now, in Missy's statement, she said she was over his room being a pigsty. And she had asked him for weeks to clean his room, and she had enough. Not only was it disgustingly dirty, it also had a weird odor coming from it. Now, Missy grabbed three garbage bags because she was planning out to throw out a lot of trash. Josh actually kept three birds in his room yuck just all over sounds disgusting (laughs) now if the cages weren't weren't changed out it smelled bad in that room and missy even said this smelled much worse like she couldn't figure out like what it was like she thought there was old food in there contributing to that but she's like i have to clean it this smells disgusting it's disgusting in here as Missy was cleaning Josh's room, she noticed a damp spot on the floor by the corner of his water bed. Missy thought, "Damn it, his bed has a leak." Okay, I remember that. I had a water bed until I was like 19 years old. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Like who has water beds that old? I don't even know. And I can remember the leaks, like you'd be sleeping and you'd wake up and you're like wet and you're like, "Damn it." like, seriously, who thought waterbeds were a good idea? Do they, and a question, do they even make water beds anymore? That's a good question. And if they do, who wants one? They're weird. Okay. Anyway, sorry, getting sidetracked. So she touched the corner and it was completely soaked. Missy decided that she was going to investigate it more. Like, she thought there was a big leak. She's like, fuck, I'm going to have to drain this. Like, that's what she was thinking. So she just, like, investigates to see where the leak's coming from. And she noticed black electrical tape holding the frame together. So if you've ever seen a waterbed, there's, like, a bottom part um, that holds the waterbed. And so um that was taped together with electrical tape. And she thought that was strange, right? Like whatever, and then she saw what looked like a sock, and she thought, well, how did a sock get in there? So Missy took the tape off, and the panel dropped, but it was dark under the bed, so she couldn't see. So she grabbed a flashlight and lifted the frame when she saw the most horrific thing. Oh, this poor woman. She immediately called her husband and couldn't reach him and left him a message like she just said, there's an emergency, you have to get home now. Now, Missy knew when she couldn't reach her husband that there were a ton of police in the neighborhood because they were all on lookout for Maddie. Now, Missy ran outside of her house to go grab one of them. And sitting in the car was Officer Donald F. Tutton. And he stated that he saw her running, this woman frantically running out of her house, crying and going up, you know, like just running. So he goes up to her, (coughs) asking her, um, you know, if everything is okay. Now, I can only imagine what this officer is thinking. Like, I anyway, so Missy tells him. I found something in my son's room, and he needs to come see. Now, Officer Tutton asked, what? Now, Missy says, I can't say. I just, I can't. You have to come see. So this officer is probably thinking, what the hell is this woman going to take me to? Like, he doesn't know. Like, who knows what she's going to got in that house? Like, and she's frantic. Like, but it's not what he could have imagined. So, Officer Tutton called two more officers to join him. You know, it's like smart man; he doesn't know what he's going into. So she can't even go into the room. She just says, "I can't," and she pointed to where they needed to look. Now, one of the officers opened the bedroom door, and immediately smelled that smell of death. He knew what that smell was instantly. Like, you you know, that's a bad smell. And for a week, oh my God, how did the parents not smell that sooner? Now, he noticed the waterbed had been tampered with and not in a, I need to fix this like it was fell. It was propped up that way, holding something up. He said, you could clearly see two small feet wearing white socks poking out. Oh, my heart. This sweet girl. She was just shoved under his bed up there for a week. Ugh. Oh, that poor sweet girl. And can you imagine the officer, like, seeing? Now, Missy started to cry again because she knew what she had found, and now it was real. Oh, this poor woman. Poor Missy, you guys. I feel bad for the Cliftons, Maddie's parents, and I feel bad for Missy for finding this. God, I don't even want to know, I don't even want to imagine, I'm picturing what she was seeing in her head, I'm picturing this room, and God, oh my God. Officer Tutton pulled Missy outside to kind of calm her down. That is just so much like the feeling I felt just researching this case, and, you know, he had to take Missy's side, Aside because this is just bone chilling, right? So he asked her, you know, how did she find this? What happened? So Missy told him that she thought she saw one of Josh's socks stuck. So she pulled it and it was hard and it wouldn't budge. That is when she saw the electrical tape holding it together and figured it has been leaking for some time. And she just figured Josh put the tape on it so that he wouldn't get in trouble. She got a flashlight because it was dark and she could see the sock better this time. And when she pulled it, she felt something hard and cold. Oh, oh my God. I... She said that moment she didn't want to believe what she knew was true that this was the missing girl. Officer Tutton asked, Where is your son now? And she said, He's at school or almost there because this was like right around 730 in the morning. She said she was passing the Clifton's house, trying to help. And she thought right now that they have hope. And in a few, they're going to know the truth. Josh's dad is rushing home, not knowing what is wrong. All he knew there was an emergency. So he arrives to his house and there are police everywhere he wasn't even allowed in his house. Now the police go to the Clifton's and they knew what happened. As they said, they found Maddie. The look on his face said it all. Maddie's dad asked, where did you find her? They said at the Phillips house, a couple doors down. This just destroys me in every way. I can't imagine how Maddie's parents were feeling, finding out the hope that They had been searching for a week to learn that she was just a few doors down. Bone chilling, something I never want to experience. So now that we've learned where Maddie is, let's talk about how this happened. Let's talk about Josh. Mr. I didn't want to get in trouble. This guy you will see is a psycho. Yes, that's the word I chose to use for him because he was. Josh was born on March 17th, 1984, and he was the only child of Melissa and Stephen Phillips. Josh was known to be a happy, normal baby, nothing out of the ordinary. He was always smiling, he made friends easily, and he was a super active child. Now in my eyes, he was just a a child, right? Like just a normal child. Now Josh loved science, animals, and was described as a normal kid who was even in the Cub Scouts. So why did he do it? It's not normally in character for a happy, normal, growing up kid to do something awful like this. You usually hear about the abused kids or bad childhoods are the ones, i.e. that turn into serial killers or rapists or et cetera. So why did Josh do what he did? His parents loved him. Now, although his dad was known to be very tempermatic, he had a big temper, And also very strict. It seemed to be worse when he was drinking. So, uh uh-oh, there's, like, something a little off. But, okay, Josh still had a good childhood. Now, Josh was actually a little scared of his dad. And he didn't want to do anything wrong with him. Which is why he did what he did, we believe. Because he didn't want to get in trouble. That's his claim. But, you know... He was 14, I and mean, he actually looked like a really young kid. He, like, he had a baby face. He had a ton of friends. He loved making people laugh. And at the age of 14, really no red flags. He was just a goofy, normal kid. But there's always something, right? So Josh, this kid, he did have another side to him, a scarier side that no one knew about. Like, Josh hid this side of him very well. Like, I, I'm i in shock just hearing about Josh and reading about him, what a well-liked kid he was, and how smart he was. And when you find this out about him, you're just like, what the fuck? Now, <clears throat> Josh did have a history with the Clifton's. He had been in trouble with the Clifton's before, and he was now forbidden to enter their house or be near them. The Clifton's came home one day and found Josh in Jessica's room, remember the older sister, alone when nobody was home, stealing a picture of her out of a frame where she was in a leotard from gymnastics, okay? He is 14, she is 11, and he is very obsessed with Jessica. And he even talked about sex with both of the girls at one point. So you have an 8 and 11-year-old who you're talking sex with, okay? Okay. Cree B. So naturally, Josh was banned from playing or seeing the girls. And this happened, this banning happened one month before Maddie's murder. Over that month, the parents kind of loosened up a bit and let them play here and there, but it was still like, eh, you know, they're still taking their precautions. Now, when investigators uh, searched Josh's room, what they found on his computer was vile i don't even have any other way to explain this this is disgusting and i hate josh so found on josh's computer was violent graphic porn and some of it included children Ugh! i'm telling you there is always something hidden with these murderous people and it was never leaked out like he kept this a secret Until all this happened, and it went – it blew up in his face. Like, holy cow. How did he keep the secret in? Now, in the trial, it was said that Josh would break in and steal little things of Jessica, and even said to drill holes in crawl spaces to spy on Jessica. Now, if that is true, that is the creepiest, sickest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, and I've heard – you know, I I do a true crime podcast, and I've heard a lot of sick and nasty things, but I – that is sick and nasty. So Josh the idiot had a ton of air fresheners, odor eaters, Febreze, plugins, and a ton of electrical tape when they searched Josh's room. Now Josh later said that he was trying to mask the smell over the week and also a baseball bat was found behind his dresser and a knife was thrown behind the TV. And his Tennis shoes were stained with Maddie's blood. So, yeah. And they also found a missing person's flyer taped to the bookshelf. Like, what the fuck? This dude. Why would you have that? And you even went to go look for her. Like, what is wrong with your head? You psycho. Psycho. Now, the carpet had blood on it. This was just this was just so fucked up and disturbing. I can't imagine what his parents were thinking like, what the fuck my son is doing. Now I'm going to be that parent that checks in on my kid's room often. And so they also found blood splatter on the ceiling fan which was 8 feet up in the air. Which means this murder happened in his room. So what did exactly happen? I'm going to tell you. It's it's horrific and I I might get choked up. So Josh admitted everything and he actually told them everything that happened. Police got him out of school right away and took him to the police station. And, um, an officer sat him down and said, Hey Josh, your mom found Maddie. (sighs) So Josh's parents were both there and you know, Josh's dad's like, you gotta, you gotta tell them what happened. Like you're, you've been caught, like tell them what happened. So Josh goes on to say that on that day maddie came over to his house to play and he said no i can't i have a ton of chores now this kid really did have like 20 something of them and it was parents were a little excessive i think a little strict but they did it so that he'd keep busy so that he'd like stay off the computers not play video games and whatever and then also like once a week he had to cook dinner for the family so he just he had a ton on his plate and it was just like yeah So then Josh said that uh, he didn't feel like doing those chores and he just wanted to sit and browse on the computer. Yeah. You want to know what he was doing? Yeah. Can you take a wild guess? So when they computer records showed that he was watching porn and a lot of it and what they found was that not only did this porn involve children, it also involved torture. So children and torture. Now, they found this span to be around 4.22 p.m. to 5 or 4.57 p.m. was when he was on the computer. Now, Josh said around 5.15, he was in the front yard raking leaves, and Maddie came back. Now, Maddie was on the other side of the fence and asked, do you want to play baseball? Josh said, you know, I said, fine. She isn't going to leave me alone. He said, yes, but you can only come into the yard and not for long. I don't want my dad getting mad. So she wasn't allowed in the house. Now, Josh and Maddie took turns hitting the ball and pitching the ball to each other. The space between them of them doing this was a very small, only four feet. So they were actually pretty close together. And when Maddie pitched a ball to him, Josh said that he had a powerful swing. Like he really wanted to hit the ball hard. And when he did this, this hit Maddie near her eye um, on her forehead and left a huge gash. Maddie instantly fell down, screaming and crying in his front yard. Josh was freaking out as she wasn't supposed to be there. And there she was, and he hit her with a ball. He said he tried to clean the ball of blood the best he could. Okay, what, dude? Like, go get the parents. Who cares about the fucking ball? Now, Maddie is just screaming and crying. This poor girl. Oh, my God. Now, he said he didn't know what to do. And once she kind of calmed down a little bit, like she was still kind of hysterical, he drug her into his room. He drug this girl. No, he panicked and said he was so freaked out that his dad was going to find out what he did and he didn't want to get in trouble. Now, Maddie was bleeding a ton and still screaming and crying. He said he was trying to calm her down to get her to shut up and put his hands over her mouth. Oh, come on, dude. Just go get her parents. Now, when that didn't work, he said you needed to shut her up. So he grabbed the baseball bat. Okay, here it is, guys. This is going to get real gnarly, real disgusting, real bad quick. So... Josh hit her in the head with a hard overhand swing. Overhand. Now, she didn't stop, so he hit her again by jamming the end of the bat on her head. Oh. Then he went on to hit her a third time. This is just horrific. Josh said that third time that last hit was full strength blow. That's not all, though. Maddie was still whimpering and moaning, so he took his knife. And he said, and oh, by the way, the coroner said that she would have died from the blows to the head. But this fucker took his knife and stabbed her twice in the neck. He then said he opened his waterbed panel and put Maddie underneath there there was blood all over him. So he's like, I'm going to shower. So he went to go clean himself up. When he was done, he walked back by his bedroom and he still heard Maddie moaning. Oh, this poor girl. It hurts my heart. It hurts for her family. I just, oh. So Josh opened back up the waterbed and then proceeded to stab Maddie nine times in the chest. This is when she stopped breathing, and then he pushed her back under the bed with his feet and closed the panel. Josh's dad came home right about 5.35, right after this happened. He came home from work and started making dinner like normal. So police said, okay, this makes sense. But what about us finding her naked from the waist down? He said her, shorts and underwear came off when he dragged her into his room no dude that's not how it works god but you guys please don't tell me he oh that's where my head went and i hope that's not the case but why why were her anyway no you're sicko now he said her shoes came off when he shoved her under the bed now her shirt was pulled up above her chest And when they went to do the autopsy, there were no stab marks on the clothes, which means he stabbed her with her shirt off. I'm not, I don't want to assume that's what happened, but this is what it's making it seem like. I don't, like nothing with that adds up. Now that evening is when Maddie's mom knocked on Josh's door yelling for Maddie that same night. When Josh's dad came to the door, um, she said, have you seen Maddie? And, He is kind of like, I don't really know who Maddie is. Like, he did, but he didn't. Like, he was just like, I don't know. But anyway, he yelled for Josh, and he said, you need to go help find her. And Josh did. He went to go help look for her. This is so fucked up. Okay? Josh then said he slept on his bed all week with Maddie under him. Disgusting. He said on Wednesday is when he put the tape on his bed, and that's when it started to smell... So then throughout the week, he used air fresheners. <laughs> now, police asked him, what was your plan with this? Like, Josh, he said he didn't know. This has to be the most worst thing to find. Seriously. Four days later, after she was found, was her funeral, and 1,200 people showed up. Wow, I just love that love and support. Just amazing. Now, Maddie was this beautiful, giggly girl. She was just a wonderful little girl, loved by all. She was that ballerina one moment, and she was that tomboy the next. People loved her and wanted to support her. When Josh was asked, why did you kill her? He said, I have no idea. Maybe I need counseling. Like, what in the hell, dude? You should have just taken her to her parents. If. What you say really did happen, right? We don't know. We only have Josh's story. Now, Wednesday, November 11th was his first hearing. And then Josh was held in a detention center in isolation until his trial in 1999. Now, they did try him as an adult, which doesn't happen hardly ever with uh, kids. And he was charged uh, with first-degree murder. Okay, okay which is also unheard of at that age. On November 19th, 1998, he was indicted on first degree murder and he is going to receive life in prison without parole. Um, That was off the table due to his age, I guess. They couldn't do death, um, which rightfully so, because he was 14 at the time. You can't sentence a kid to death but they did sentence him, or they will sentence him to life. Now, in court, it was said by a medical examiner what was found to be done to Maddie, and I won't go into it too much. You can look it up. I just, I don't want to add more horror to this, but I will say a couple things about what he said. Um, There's a lot of detail. It's gruesome, and I don't want to do that to you, but I will say that he did confirm the blows to her head and the nine stab wounds. Now, what he did say was that she was alive when she was shoved under the bed the first time. Because you could see marks to where she was trying to get out. Oh my God, this poor girl was alive and she was fighting and trying to get out. Now, he also said she was already dead. She was already post-mortem when he stabbed her. So, he... She was already dead when he started to stab her. What a sick fuck. The moans he heard were actually her body making noises post-mortem. And so what they believe, um, a lot of stuff did line up with Josh's story, but what they believe that Josh kind of lured Maddie into his home, that they did say that the cut – Above her eye on her forehead from where the ball hit her does align kind of with what he said because it wasn't as bad as the other blows to her head. And that's just all I'm going to say about that. Um, You can look up the rest if you'd like to. I don't recommend doing it, it'll make your stomach turn. Uh, Now, the jury took only two hours and found 15 year old Josh Phillips guilty of first degree murder. Now, on August 20th, 1999, I was a freshman in high school, was when he was up for the sentencing. So, he was charged with this, but now it's sentencing sentencing, sentencing time. Good Lord. Now, this is when both Maddie's parents and Josh's parents could speak. Now, I'm going to read you What I found Maddie's mom to say, and this is a statement that hurts your heart. Like it, it hits you for real. So she stands up and she says, no one or nothing can look up at me with those big brown eyes. Pictures and memories are all I have. I will never see Maddie play again. I will never see her fulfill her dreams. Hug her or kiss her and then send her out to play again. Oh, I'm about to tear up. Guys, that's just. Now, Josh was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now, he did try to do a few appeals. And they said because they said that sentencing a like trying a 15 year old as an adult and sentencing him to life in prison was was not. It was uncalled for at that age because your brain isn't fully developed which in some cases I believe so, but he, I I also agree kind of with what they did because this was just – this was horrific. Now, if you're wondering, Josh is still in prison, and of course, he's a model inmate. Of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? He received his high school diploma in prison, and he actually teaches science and math to other inmates and basically trying to help them for their paroles. And, you know, he's using his time well. Okay, great. You're still an asshole. You're still a fucking murderer. Now, in 2017, he was up for appeal again. And this is when he, for the first time, apologizes to Maddie's parents. And He had never spoken to them during this. And he has never apologized until now. And he said, I have no clue what life was or what death meant. The depths, of su- the depths of suffering that would follow one act, I had no inkling of how long suffering could last. I hadn't lived long enough to understand what real suffering was. I did something horrible, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Even after all these years, it's unfathomable that this all could have happened. It tears my mind to know that I stole such a precious life from you, from the world. I wish I could take away your pain. I pray every day that you're able to live your life in spite of the pain that I caused you. Okay, well, maybe. Maybe he's sorry. I don't know. But it doesn't mean that you should be walking the streets, right? I mean, he might not be the same person he was when he was 14, but you you did something awful and you had this dirty, dark secret for who knows how long. And the fact that you kept that under wraps, it's like, whoo. Like there was no indicated of this wild shit that he said. So who's to say, you know, that he kept those, those porn things. Like, so who's to say that something isn't going to trigger him out in the real world and he's going to do it again. Now, like I said, the medical examiner and everybody believed that, uh, he lured Maddie there and that it was a sexual driven thing that he did because he liked the child pornography, like, a oh, yeah, there's a special place in hell for him, right? But anyway, they said he planned to do this. So no, Josh, no, you're not getting out. Now in 2023, here we are in 2023. He is up for appeal again this year. I don't know the exact date, but I know it is in 2023. We're still kind of early in 2023, so I don't think it's happened yet. Um, I couldn't find anything on that, but um, I don't think he's going to get that appeal. I don't. What he did was horrific, and he should not be allowed to live a life that Maddie can't, right? I just, it's insane to me. That like he was just this normal kid. And he had this dark secret. Oh, that is such a hard one. It's a sad one. It's just, it's just awful. And rest in peace, Maddie, you sweet girl. I really, really hate doing kid cases like this. Like I mentioned. But they happen way too much. And these kids need to be talked about. Now, I wish someone had heard her screaming in that lawn. If. (coughs) excuse me, if Josh really did hit her with the baseball and that was an accident, um, I wonder why people, I mean, if she was screaming as bad as she did, like why no one heard her. They were in a cul-de-sac. And there were a lot of people out at that time because it was before dinner time. But having a child myself with that said, kids scream. And sometimes it's hard to determine what that scream is. Is that a happy scream? Is that a sad scream? Is that a scared scream? Is that an I'm heart scream? They all kind of sound the same. Like there was a couple episodes ago that I was uh, doing a story and you probably all heard in the background some screaming and it had been going on for a little bit. And I was like, oh, she's having fun. But then I heard the crying and I was like, oh, she's hurt. Um, but anyway, so I just I just wish Josh wasn't a piece of shit and just went to her parents and just took the punishment like you know, it's just a tough one today and I'm sorry to bring you all that. Whether you've heard this case before or not, it's never easy to hear. You know, you can follow me on Insta at Twisted Wicked Crime the pod or you can email me at Twisted Wicked Crime, the podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send me story cases or anything like that, I'd love to hear it. Now, I hope everyone is well on this Sunday and has a beautiful rest of their Sunday or has a beautiful day whenever you're listening to this. Some people might not listen to this on Sunday. You might be listening to it tomorrow on your Monday drive to work or wherever, but I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. So let's go out and have a kick-ass week. Let's smile laugh and live life. And I will talk to you all next week. And I might bring you a lady killer. I don't know. But I will talk to you all later. Bye.